every decision that's made, you don't proactively mention B Corp, but there's someone in the room when any decision's made that has a mind on B Corp. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. I have been trying to get somebody from Vivo Barefoot onto this podcast for several years, ever since seeing them do a keynote kind of Q&A fireside chat thing at one of the IRX conferences in London one autumn. It was definitely pre-pandemic, so we're talking probably four or five years ago. So it's brilliant to finally get one of them on, and we've scored big. We've got their CCO, the Chief Commercial Officer, coming to join us. We are Recording this in November and you're hearing it in March because I wanted to put this out in B Corp month and because our guest Paul is currently on post-working for Vivo Barefoot gardening leave so he had the time to do the recording right now. So hopefully nothing crazy's happened in the three months between us recording this and it going live. Within those three months hopefully the results of Vivo Barefoot's recertification in B Corp land will have come in so we'll put a note about that in the show notes on the website for you to catch up on. But if you want to know how Vivo have achieved such huge growth over the 10 years, how they are the leading light, I think, in becoming a more sustainable e-commerce brand and lots of really fascinating insights, keep listening, everybody, and make sure you listen to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on Paul's top tips either and my own take on this episode. If your tech stack is becoming a bottleneck to growth, it's time to replatform, and you should check out Shopline. Shopline is the modern commerce platform that's disrupting Europe as one of Asia's leading e commerce platforms. Whether your bottleneck is setting up more sales channels like social commerce or expanding to new markets globally, Shopline takes care of everything from store setups, checkouts, and payments to logistics and more. With single click migration and out of the box tools, they're there to help. The best part about it, you don't need to pay until your site is live. Here in the UK, they power brands like In The Style and Everything £5. Whilst in Asia, they're the platform of choice for huge brands like Lego and Muji. If you want to scale, it's time to book your free trial or have a chat with one of the Shopline team. Find out what Shopline could do for you via ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash t-e-c-h. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e-commerce store.
And now to introduce our special guest. Paul Walker was, until very recently, the Chief Commercial Officer at Vivo Barefoot. Founded in 2012, Vivo Barefoot is at the forefront of good retail, a case study many others try to emulate, and a B Corp. They sell via a Magento store, a single store in Covent Garden, London, and wholesale channels. And over the 10 years Paul was there, the whole business went from £4 million a year to £70 million a year. And the e-commerce arm grew from just half a million to £50 million a year. Hello, Paul. Hi, Chloe. Thank you very much for the introduction. My, my pleasure to be here to tell you mine and, and Vivo's story. But it's great to have you here. And to be fair, I achieved none of that introduction. You did it all. So you and the Vivo team. So I can't really take the credit. But let's talk story. How did you end up working in e-commerce? I'm referred to as a digital native. I've been working professionally in e-commerce for 18 years. But before that, I studied an undergraduate degree in e-commerce systems so way back before many e-commerce degrees existed, I bound straight from that into a business IT management master's. The e-commerce at the time was very mathematical and computational, and I wanted to be more involved in the commercial side. And then following that, I ended up in large corporate e-commerce world, working for the likes of Dixon's Curry's PC World, managing their online trading propositions. And then after that, I ended up at Vivo for 10 years. Very cool. And was part of the reason you went to Vivo because of their mission, I guess, within the business? Because I, I find it very hard to think of Vivo Barefoot without thinking of the mission. I almost think of the mission before I even think about the products. The mission is forefront. Always has been, always will be. The, the, the shoes are a, a derivative of the mission. Yeah, I'd been in large corporate world for seven or eight years and was a little bit bored of the grind. I, I could see people around me sat under their desks, not really achieving a great deal. And and, and that frustrated me. I also had a, a knee injury and became aware of Vivo for its effective health benefits. So yeah, when I was approached by my predecessor, it was a very small, wobbly business. And, I, and even so, the, the health benefits and just needing to get away from big corporate world was the, the main stimulus. Yeah, as someone who ran screaming from the corporate world fairly early on, totally understand that. <laughs> so tell us a bit about Vivo. Where in the world is Vivo based and where is Vivo selling to? Yeah, so Vivo is based in central London. It's been Farringdon-based for 10 years before that in a small office in Bermondsey. Yeah, it's, it's a tiny townhouse uh, in the middle of Farringdon that comfortably fits 35 people. The organisation is much bigger than that, so we uh, they work quite flexibly. <laughs> <laughs> the shoes are manufactured in, in a lot of places. Um, most footwear manufacturing is in Southeast Asia. Vivo's is in Vietnam. But we also, or, or Vivo also makes shoes in Portugal, where there's a, a heritage of handmade footwear. And there's a footwear manufacturing operation in Ethiopia, which is a, a philanthropic uh, mission. Got you. And selling globally? I take it? Yeah, the, the last time of checking, which was admittedly a little while ago, it was around 142 countries online. Vivo predominantly operates direct to consumer. There's a series of international distribution partners that own certain territories, but yeah, around 70% of that business is, is e-commerce. Got you. And tell us a bit about the product, because I feel like we've slightly skirted around what the product actually is so far. Yeah, well, the product that a consumer ultimately buys is footwear or shoes. And we tend not to refer to them as shoes due to dictionary definitions that define having a rigid sole and a stepped heel. So we, we don't make shoes. 
than make footwear. But really, the, the business is a health business, a business that intends to encourage consumers to regain their natural foot health through correct footwear. And like I say, the derivative of that is selling shoes. And I think what's quite interesting is I tend to think of Vivo as a, as a leading light in becoming a more sustainable e-commerce brand, tackling some of the most difficult parts of it, way beyond non-plastic packaging and changing the light bulbs in the warehouse. But there's almost two missions. There's the health mission and the sustainability mission. Does that ever cause conflict? The, the, the missions are wrapped up in this broad definition of regenerative business, a step beyond or maybe a couple of steps beyond sustainability, which typically focuses on product Vivo works in accordance to regenerative principles, which look at quite similar to B Corp in that it looks at the, the health of the employees, the health of its consumers, its community and its products. So, of course, there's tension. It's impossible to tackle all these missions and all these challenges simultaneously. And that creates tension. But tension can sometimes be good. So I, don't, I don't think it's a challenge. It's part of the energy and it's part of the, the fabric of, of being at Vivo. And you mentioned that the townhouse in Farringdon has space for 35. There's obviously more than 35 now. And a lot of work do a, you know flexible working from home and so forth. But what does the team look like? Is everything done in-house? Are you outsourcing marketing elements? Obviously, some of the manufacturing is outsourced. How does, how does that all work? Manufacturing is outsourced. Customer service is outsourced. That's a team of around 50 FTEs through a third party. But the majority of the businesses is owned. It's been a journey. And as these journeys go, there's certain periods of time where functions belong internally or externally or, or, or naturally move internally or externally. Two of the biggest team bills of, of the last few years were bringing the development team in-house. So the e-commerce development now all sits in-house. That's probably the nature of the platform in that we use Magento and a, a larger team of specific Magento experts is required. So, yeah, we went through quite a process to bring that team in-house. And then most recently, the all performance marketing and most of brand marketing and content creation was brought in-house. So that leads to a, a significant swelling of those teams. But in a mission-focused business where storytelling is everything, having those teams in-house is quite critical. Yes, I'm quite surprised they weren't in-house already, to be honest, because it, it's it's it, we, we often talk about what how do you decide what to outsource? It's what's a key pillar of the business and not. So um, so I'm guessing it was a fairly easy decision to bring that in-house when the time came. Yeah, the, the core of the teams was, was often in-house and there's always experts required in the internal business. But at periods of time, you rely on agencies to execute or activate. And the most recent transition was that not only was creation of content and brand in-house, the, the whole activation and execution of, of content moved in-house predominantly. The Magento developers in-house decision. I think that's when a lot of people go, why don't they, why don't they just use Shopify? Shopify's got eco-credentials. Couldn't they just do that? And then they wouldn't need a team in-house. What led you to stick with Magento, I suppose? And then not necessarily to move to Shopify, but to stick with a with a platform where that developer need is quite heavy and then to decide to bring the team in-house. Yeah, of course, a, a perennial argument. You can go round and round in circles with it, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. And it, it took place for the for the year of determining what platform Vivo used and for the three years since Vivo's been on Magento, that, that debate rages. It comes down to the flexibility and versatility of a platform like Magento, where a much more bespoke build can be achieved. 
versus typical Shopify platforms. We've referenced already on a number of occasions that Vivo is more than just selling shoes. A lot of the projects or functionalities that are on the site now wouldn't necessarily be capable on Shopify. And a lot of the projects that we can't necessarily talk about today, but that are to come, would be much harder to execute on Shopify to the level of quality that we believe we can execute via Magento. I'm glad you mentioned those alternate those those different projects which aren't kind of traditional e-commerce because it's one of the reasons I keep an eye on what Vivo Barefoot's doing is that it's kind of pushing the boundaries and working out the model for the rest of us to follow in a few years time and I think one of those elements is the Revivo scheme can you explain what Revivo is because you will do it far better than I can and then maybe we'll talk a bit about how that came about and why it's clearly something we're all going to have to start doing yeah i'd love to i will note now that i keep saying we uh, and i should be saying they so forgive me yeah revivo revivo is or was the world's first reconditioned resale e-commerce website it's been a project in brains almost since the start of vivo there was always an ambition that shoes should be repairable and resellable in fact the one of the first pairs of vivos that no one's ever really seen had a zip off sole. So sole, so you could have multiple sole units for the same shoe. I guess that talks to the, the, the innovation in, in product from day one and the innovation in, in the mission and, and the requirement for shoes to be versatile and sustainable. But it was only really three years ago where we targeted a platform that we could resell products. There was a, there was a journey before that. We the, the, the shoes had to be made to a standard that could be broken down and could be repaired. And once we'd been through the majority of that process, we were then able to set up the the e-commerce infrastructure. That e-commerce infrastructure still does sit outside of Magento. That sits on the old, fairly bespoke platform that goes by the name of Devendo that allows us to trade. The future iterations of that platform are likely that Vivo will sell new products and refurbished products alongside each other through the same platform, almost encouraging the purchase of um, refurbished products ahead of new products. I find it fascinating how it, it's so easy to say, oh yeah, we should we should do a buyback program and we'll refurbish and we'll, you know, and then that will be better for the planet and that will help our, you know, customers work out what to do with the products when they come to their end of life. But it's it's the level of complexity of actually making that realizable. You know, it comes from how you design the product, the materials you use to actually, is it possible to repair, revive, etc. right the way then through to how you then manage the buyback process to then how you go about putting them on sale and trying to find a way to do it, which isn't just individual units behind each skew. All of it's quite complicated. Which bit do you reckon is the... Were there, I guess, were there any surprises as to which which parts of this journey are more or less complex? The most enriching process and the most complicated process, and, and by enriching, I mean the, the, the relationship we've built with this third party, is the identification of and, and working with the third party that does the reconditioning. This is a, a heritage shoemaking company based in Leeds called the Boot Repair Company. They're a wonderful small team that can work miracles with most shoes. Uh, It's much easier with leather shoes. Uh, Synthetic shoes use a lot of nasty bonding products, which are hard to break away. And and again, there's a lot of innovation going into designing of shoes very early in that development lifecycle that means that those shoes can ultimately ultimately be repaired. But I'd say the biggest challenge was finding the right partner 
And I, and I guess we got very lucky in finding not just the right partner, but the best partner. Got you. I wasn't expecting that as the answer. So that, I'm glad I asked the question. <laughs> what, what was you expecting? <laughs> I'm not really sure, but I hadn't thought, you know, relationships and finding the right people would be there. But then, you know, if you're going to be, if you, if you're going to push the boundaries of what's possible, if you can find someone who's at least partway along that journey, and it's going to make, make life a lot easier. Now, your role at Vivo Barefoot was Chief Commercial Officer. So I'm guessing you had quite a lot of involvement in the astronomical growth that we just talked about Vivo achieving in those first, in the, you know, in the 10 years in which you were involved. And as a essentially a, a you know a self-funded business and a business with such clear mission that isn't sales, it's beyond that. How did you go about constructing that path to grow so much? What were the key pillars to it, key tenets to it, key advice you'd give anyone who's trying to take a mission-first business in a similar direction? Go slow. We're in a world of hyper-capitalised businesses. The majority of those aren't necessarily mission-focused, but increasingly businesses are. As you mentioned, Vivo is predominantly self-funded, founder-owned, founder-led all of those things bring challenges, but they also bring benefits. The, the mission of the business was effectively religious. In, in everything we did, the, the, the mission of the business was at the forefront of our decision-making. When that's expressed, people often think that then becomes difficult to sell products. The sale of product is the enabler of the mission. There's not as much tension between, let's say, the, the, the mission-focused people in the team, i.e. The, the brand marketeers and the sustainability team versus the commercial team, the two have to work hand in hand. Vivo's mission is to help people and the world regain their, their natural foot health effectively. And the only way we can do that is by selling people natural health issues. So less tension than you probably imagine. Does that lead to some surprising growth decisions, you know, or marketing channel decisions specifically? Because I can imagine it kind of going, well, our values don't really match with this company, so we're not going to advertise there. Does that lead you to kind of go, well, that we that would be an obvious route to generate sales, but we're not going to do it? Vivo is, is hooked on the same drugs that most of the businesses are. Those are marketing channel drugs. There's a desperate want to not plough more and more money through Instagram and through Google, but it's a means to an end. There has been and there will continue to be more of a conscious effort and focus to diversify that spend portfolio and take more alternate, which ironically are traditional routes to marketing. There's many juxtapositions in, in Vivo. We talk about getting people back in nature, yet we sell 70% of our products through black mirrors and, and, and other small screens. So where our primary method of, of selling products is through digital means, which is the opposite of, of our mission effectively. But we like to think of it as a means to an end. We develop the most efficient e-commerce experience possible in order that you can get those shoes on your feet and, and, and get out there. But yeah, back to marketing, increased activations through on-the-ground events, through PR, through meaningful ambassadors that share our missions. Got you. And this is episode is going out as part of our B Corp month. And we did this for the first time last year. And many of the guests were talking about how B Corp wasn't just going after a nice badge to put on the website. It became 
a part of how almost every strategy in the business was developed was along B Corp guidelines. I know that's not the same for all B Corp businesses. So I'll be interested to hear if it is the same for Vivo, how big a role B Corp plays in the day to day within the business. But you've also just done a recertification, which I'm guessing is a lot harder if B Corp isn't part of the day to day of the business, but a pretty massive project in and of itself. So how did B Corp function as an ideal within Vivo. I think B Corp is different for businesses that are retrofitting mission and sustainability into their model versus businesses like Vivo that were already and always in that place. Regardless, B Corp is critical. It's a validation of everything that Vivo was effectively mostly already doing. It was an external audit of the good practices around product manufacturing and community engagement and employee engagement. But it's a full-time project. There's more people focusing on it during certification or recertification. But there's a team of people constantly on B Corp. Each pillar of B Corp has representatives within the organisation. Each function within Vivo has B Corp representatives. So every decision that's made, you don't proactively mention B Corp. But there's someone in the room when any decision's made that has a mind on B Corp. Got you. So it's kind of like there's someone wearing that hat and just sense checking who, if it's not on track, will say that's not going to fit with our B Corp aims, but we'll keep nice, we'll keep not nice and quiet. We'll we'll not need to say anything if it does keep it on track. Yeah, it, it, it continually operates in the subconscious of the business for those three years in between. And, and it would be pretty easy to ignore B Corp for those three years and then try very hard <laughs> towards a certification to, to get those points. But Vivo's desire is to be the highest rated initially footwear B Corp in the world and then and then beyond that, who knows? So there's, there's a level of competition out there. Once you get into it, you, you get into it for the right reasons of, of validation and like, like I say, that external auditing, but when an element of competition creeps in. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. If your tech stack is becoming a bottleneck to growth, it's time to replatform, and you should check out Shopline. Shopline is the modern commerce platform that's disrupting Europe as one of Asia's leading e-commerce platforms. Whether your bottleneck is setting up more sales channels like social commerce or expanding to new markets globally, Shopline takes care of everything from store setups, checkouts and payments to logistics and more. With single click migration and out of the box tools, they're there to help. The best part about it, you don't need to pay until your site is live. Here in the UK, they power brands like In The Style and Everything £5. Whilst in Asia, they're the platform of choice for huge brands like Lego and Muji. If you want to scale, it's time to book your free trial or have a chat with one of the Shopline team. Find out what Shopline could do for you via ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family. 
e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash t-e-c-h. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e-commerce store. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, Paul, uh, we are going to go into the top tips. You've given us loads of fascinating advice already, but these ones are the section that gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Paul, are you ready for the top tips? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? It might take a few Fridays, but I would recommend a book called Regenerative Leadership. The book is by Giles Hutchins and Laura Storm. That book was the, the start, I guess, of mine and Vivo's regenerative journey. We briefly mentioned it earlier. It's the regeneration, regenerative business practices is that tier beyond sustainability where it's much more broad spectrum. Yeah, I think um, regenerative is something I think we're all going to be talking a lot more about in, in coming months and years because it's the obvious place to go, really, isn't it? So loving that book recommendation. Thank you. Uh, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I think we also briefly referenced this earlier, but for me, the future of online is offline. Everyone loves performance marketing because it's, it's tangible. It's easy to track, even if we're paying extraordinary prices at the moment and we have diminishing um, ROAS. I think a more holistic approach to, to earned, owned and paid media is, is necessary, more on the ground activations, more events, more IRL, more PR. like it. Yeah, it's um, on our sister podcast, Keep Optimising, the last couple of years, the offline marketing month where we dive into offline marketing tactics is, I think it was the most popular in 2022 and it's up there top three 2023. There's some legs there in that those old tactics <laughs> yeah the, the challenge is if, if everyone listens offline becomes incredibly expensive <laughs> so then we um you know we have to chase the um the, the, the efficient channels and they could be online or offline indeed indeed okay the tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool a social media plugin a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day I wouldn't necessarily say it's a little tool, but a lot of my background and achievements at Vivo were around going global. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan and follow the market closely of, of cross-border tools. Vivo specifically works with Globally and have done for many years, but there's been growth in that market very recently. I've become very aware and familiar with a product called Global, which is a translation, primarily a translation engine, but it's, it's pretty impressive to see with broader uh, cross-border back office uh, services tagged to it. Oh, nice. And how are we spelling Glopal? Glopal is G-L-O-P-A-L. So actually like it sounds. Actually like it <laughs> sounds. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, this is not a shameless plug, but you can go to their website, type in your URL, and it will immediately translate your website into whatever language you want it to show to the customers. Crikey. Okay, everyone, don't get dis <laughs> totally distracted by Glopal now. There's a few more questions you want to hear the answers to first. Uh, the carbon top tip. What's your favourite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce business? 
again, I referenced it earlier, but it comes back to grow slow. Plan properly, buy properly, merchandise properly, distribute properly. Stop making products that you don't need or that you've poorly forecasted for. I think we can we can get distracted, and, and we rightly should, on, on the marginal gains in, in reducing our carbon footprint. But in, in most cases, the manufacturing of products and the distribution of them is where we're going to cause the most, the most harm. Yeah, and the, the easiest way to change that is to make better decisions of how much you buy and what you buy, isn't it? It's not... It's not rocket science. But it's not It's not a practice that most people want to follow, that grow slow mentality and grow proper mentality. But I think, I hope we are moving in that direction as an industry. I think we're moving, hopefully we're moving from pilot high to a scarcity scenario. I hope so too. Paul, before we say goodbye, please do let the listeners know where they can find both you and Vivo Barefoot if they want to go and have a look on the web and social media. Yep. So Vivo Barefoot is www.vivobarefoot.com. The store is on Neil Street in Covent Garden. And Revivo is www.revivo.com. I'm just mainly on LinkedIn. You'll find me, Paul Walker CCO, chatting, antagonizing, doing what I do. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for being on the e-commerce master plan podcast and for being so generous, sharing your experience with us. It's been fascinating. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Chloe. Some fascinating, inspiring advice there from Paul and great to hear someone who's been on such a crazy growth journey with such an inspirational e-commerce store. And yet his advice is so pragmatic. It's about building slow, looking at the numbers, creating the right product, focusing on the right projects, making the right decisions about where the team are or where the team aren't. I thought that was just really fascinating and, you know, how if you really do commit to those missions, it makes the whole team work better together as well. I think I I should be listening back to this one myself just to make sure I got all the goodness from it. So I hope you found it useful. You can get your hands on the notes from this episode, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our direct episode short links. Just put ecmp.info forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you'll be redirected straight to the right episode page. When you get to the website, why not add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. And as I said, this is currently B Corp month. March is B Corp month. And so we're putting out B Corp episodes all month long. And you can check out all our past B Corp interviews at ecmp.info forward slash B Corp. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. If your tech stack is becoming a bottleneck to growth, it's time to replatform and you should check out Shopline. 
Shopline is the modern commerce platform that's disrupting Europe as one of Asia's leading e-commerce platforms. Whether your bottleneck is setting up more sales channels like social commerce or expanding to new markets globally, Shopline takes care of everything from store setups, checkouts and payments to logistics and more. With single click migration and out of the box tools, they're there to help. The best part about it, you don't need to pay until your site is live. Here in the UK, they power brands like In The Style and Everything £5. Whilst in Asia, they're the platform of choice for huge brands like Lego and Muji. If you want to scale, it's time to book your free trial or have a chat with one of the Shopline team. Find out what Shopline could do for you via ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e.